0: And welcome back to the, I honestly don't know what episode this is. I think it's either the fifth, sixth episode we are? Anyway. Something like that. Yeah, something Something. like that. Welcome to Picked Off, of course, on, this is the, hopefully, your favorite KCR Sports Radio (laughs) Network Challenge, radio show. I'm mixing my words again, so this is a great start to the episode. Anyway, I'm your host, Jason Freund, and I am, of course, joined by my co-hosts in...
1: Kevin Honda and Andrew Finley.
0: That's right. Both of us from the all three of us actually from the Daily Aztec representing the DA. Hopefully have a good time talking a little bit of uh, majority of baseball. Actually, there's a lot of baseball on the uh, on the docket today. And of course, we will start off with uh, a bit of like a little bit of a hindsight today. This will be a lot of hindsight in today's episode. As, uh, as you can see, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, they took advantage of the fact that Mike Clevenger and Denel Slumet got injured, and the fact that Tommy Pham literally had no feeling in his arm or that Eric Hosmer had a fractured finger. I think it was a finger, fractured his finger at some point.
1: That the finger from the, the finger injury, from the
0: yeah, index finger? Yeah, he was still feeling that because he fractured it, but he came back, like, really early from it. Like, he came back as early as possible. Yeah, I think
2: he spent his 10 days on the on the IL and came back from that injury. Mm -hmm,
0: Yeah. So this will be a lot of retrospective today because, you know, the Dodgers took advantage and they unfortunately were the better team because they just had that incredible depth. They had the pitching. They had that freakish thing, Dustin May pitching for them. So this will be a bit of a retrospective today on the 2020 San Diego Padres season. So we're going to kick it off. I want to have a little bit of a roundtable discussion here. Can you give, can the two of you, we'll have a little bit of discussion here. What were your favorite moments of the season? It could be one, it could be a couple actually, but let's, let's hear what's your favorite moments on this 2020 shortened season were exactly. God,
1: favorite moments, wow. I mean, it's I hard think great, just, really. I know to settle it down just to 10 is tough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's pretty crazy because even though this was a 60 game season, I think there's more uh, good, uh, memorable moments from this season than there were all of last season. And mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said about that because we had an up and coming Tatis with sluggers like Renfrew and Frenmo Reyes last year. And to be able to top, you know, that in just a 60-game span, that's that's pretty incredible. I think for me, my I have two favorite moments. Three. I'll say three. All right? I loved Slam Diego, starting it in Texas with that controversial 3-0 slam by Tatis. And then, you know, the Padres just said, you guys don't like Grand Slams? Well, how's about – three more on you Will Myers and Manny Machado had one to walk off then Eric Cosmer had one um, you know we made history and then Jake Cronenworth had one a couple days later to expand on that you know that just that caught everyone's attention and that Padres were surging since surged since that moment i think my my second favorite was that comeback against Seattle in that seven inning game we were down 7 to 3 with two outs and we ended up winning 10 to seven that's pretty with the will myers um walk off home run and then i think finally but not least was clinching the first playoff spot for the first time in 14 years you know as a padre fan uh for my entire life that gave me chills it made me cry a little bit it was just a it was a magical feeling and You know, We hope that we can get something bigger than that to happen in the future, but that was super special, and I'll never forget that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are definitely – I even forgot about that whole Seattle thing because there was so much that happened this season. I forgot that we even did that against Seattle, had that huge comeback. I I was actually – it was a doubleheader. It was a doubleheader against Seattle, wasn't it? (laughs) Yep. And the funny thing is – I do believe that it was off of Dan Altavia and uh, Taylor. The two relievers we eventually traded for. Those are Taylor
1: Williams. Four right. days later.
0: Yeah, four <laughs> days later. Uh, sorry for roughing you up, guys, but um, welcome to the fold. Hope you enjoy your time here. You just kind of said, screw it. I want to be on your guys' team now. <laughs> it's like in Halo. It's like in Halo online. Uh, I can't, like,
1: I can't like, believe what that clubhouse was like.
0: Oh, yeah. That must have been weird. That must have been interesting. Because like I was saying before, it's like in Halo when you're getting destroyed and online, so you just change the teams. I think that's kind of what would be what happened here with the uh,
1: with, uh, with Altavia and Taylor. Yeah, I wonder what Will Myers said after that <laughs> when, uh, when they came to the clubhouse. Knowing Will Myers and seeing how he was
0: this season, it was probably something in the lines of, hey, man. Sorry for uh, doing that against you. Uh, No hard feelings? They kind of of probably just like chuck it off or something.
1: It's just business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I think when we talk about Will Myers and that season that he had here in 2020, you know, he really had that complete season that we haven't really seen before. You know, we've talked about it in the past, the past couple of weeks, you know, the type of season that he had in 2016, that first half and the first half the following year in 2017 but he really wasn't able to put it all together here until 2020 even though it was 60 games yeah I
0: mean we haven't seen a performance from Will Myers like this since 2016 since we saw him in the all-star game alongside Drew Pomeranz, and that was you can look at the differences between that version of Will Myers and this version of Will Myers Because Will Myers from 2016 was having so much fun playing baseball and then it just kind of like declined from there. And his attitude, you could see, just kind of like dropped and dropped because he was getting more like, more like kind of like, I don't want to say depressed, but he just looked like he wasn't having fun playing baseball. Now, come 2020, the guy was always wearing a smile on his face. I think that was a difference in this year in 2020 because it looked like, he was actually having fun for the first time in years playing baseball, and it showed on the stats.
2: Yeah, it was one of the first years that he had a full lineup of support around him. Like in 2016, he had, I don't know, Jan Hervis Solarte, and same with 2017. And don't get me wrong, I love me some some Jan, but uh, he's, not, he's not Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis. He's not Trent Grisham at the top or bottom of the order. He's not Jake Cronenworth coming onto the scene. Um, I think for the first time, Will Myers was comfortable where he was, and it it really showed. I'd say, you know, a lot of people compare this season to the one he had in 2016, like you were saying, but I think he even exceeded that. And this is a version of Will Myers that we haven't seen before, and I'm excited to see what he does for the next two years of his contract.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's still talk that Will Myers, it's potentially that he could still get traded. That's whack, in my opinion. <laughs>
2: I love Will Myers.
0: I mean, look, I love the guy too. He's had a great comeback season. Definitely comeback player of the year for the National League. But the thing about Will Myers is his contract's always going to overshadow him. There's always going to be that big contract looming over him And if you want to sign guys like Tatis to major long-term deals, you want to sign like maybe Clevenger to an extension and who knows how these young guys are going to pan out. if they pan out all the way, they're going to get paid too. You're going to have to find money somewhere. And I know Ron Fowler is like richer than rich, but when it comes, there's a budget, there's a budget here and you don't want to go over that luxury tax. So, if Will Myers has to be traded and they have to eat some salary in order to save some, I can see them doing it. I see AJ Peller doing it.
2: Well, my counter argument to that is that if the team is winning, if the team is successful, then players like Tatisse and players like, well, I can't say Clevenger, but someone like Tatis and the rookies we have like Jake Cronenworth and um, young guys like Trent Grisham, if If the team's being successful, they're going to want to stick around no matter how much they're getting paid. So Mm -hmm. as long as the team's being successful, they won't have to worry about signing the the big deal to Tatis. You know, they had to sign someone like Will Myers to a big contract because the team wasn't doing well. They had to give them incentive to stay. But now that the team's doing well, the incentive to stay is that we're going to win a championship. And so the money – for Tatis and Cronenworth and Grisham and the Nelson Lamette, you know, it's not as pressing as it was back then. That's why I say hold on to Will Myers for the duration of his contract and then start to negotiate with those young guys.
0: Also, I learned here's also something to say, Brevin. I'm sorry if I'm cutting into your time, but here's also something to think about. Will Myers' contract after 2022, he has a club option. So there's a club option for will myers after the 2022 2023 season if the padres choose to not exercise that according to according to spot track they can cut him and they won't have to pay that 20 million eric hosmer's contract at the same time after the 2022 2023 season should the Padres go for his – should he extend his player option, which I assume he will because he's going to be 33 in 2023. And first baseman at 30, 30, 20 – 33-year-old first baseman in 2023 don't have a good chance of making a lot of money. His contract is that if he – should he exercise that player option goes from $20 million to $13 million. That's a $7 million reduction right there. That's a lot of money that could be saved and more money that can be sent to a guy like Tatis or to a guy like Clevenger or to even maybe, heck, maybe Chris Paddock gets it going. Maybe Mackenzie Gore becomes a Cy Young candidate. Who knows? Maybe you want to resign to Nelson Lamette too. He's not a guy you have to pay eventually. But there is money coming eventually.
2: I guess we'll have to see how uh, Will Myers
0: does and then expand on that. Got a good point. Mm-hmm. And there's always the expect. There's always the possibility that someone just absolutely falls in love with Will Myers and wants to send a ridiculous package back to San Diego. Who knows? Maybe right. Color can pull off a Jedi mind trick again, like he always does. Hmm. Any thoughts on that, Brevin?
1: Yeah, I think too. You know, you think about you know what the direction of this team is. You know, twenty 2020- twenty to 2023 at that point, do you think the Padres are still going to be good by that point? And I think, you know, it depends on, you know, the mindset of A.J. Preller, assuming he's here, you know, during that time, assuming Ron Fowler is here during that time. And, you know, it's going to be up to them to decide, you know, the best for the team, you know, if that means, you know, changing – Changing contracts up for the better of the team.
0: And plus, you have to remember this team is not going to be making as much money this year because of the COVID finances. And I think I read somewhere there's maybe about $35 million they can still kick around in terms of available budget. That's probably going to be going to arbitration rises. So you're going to have to pay people in arbitration, there's going to be raises there. And you're also going to have to re-sign some of your old free agents, like Trevor Rosenthal and Jerickson and Profar. Do you want to re-sign those guys and bring them back in the fold? It's going to be—it's it, kind of the reason why I'm happy I'm not a general manager because I don't
1: have to make these decisions; I can just react to them. Yeah, I think that's—you know—the question. You know, when it comes to you know veterans, you know, you know, following twenty twenty one, it's going to be Craig Stan. You know, you have you know, Greg Garcia this year, you brought up direction profile, you know, I think it's, you know, and then possibly, you know, Kirby down the line too, and how you want to sort your team out in terms of financials. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I think we can go on about, um, I think we can talk about this, uh, free agents just a little bit later on in this show. I think we can get back. We, we can circle back to them later. Because there are free agents. I do want to talk about these free agents that the Padres have coming up. Because it's uh, looking at this list right here. It's quite interesting to see what we have here. What's uh, What might be happening. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with free agents. So right now, though, I, wanted, I, I never had Digga to talk about my favorite moment of the season because we talked about free agents. Which is always a good topic, of course. Not that I'm complaining. So I'm gonna rattle off mine real quick. I think one of my favorite moments in this season, I wanna I wanna say this because not a lot of people will remember it. And but it can't be remembered for other reasons. The game the Padres played against the Arizona Diamondbacks, it was mad. it was when Madison Bumgarner was pitching that day. Mm. And oh my god, mad bum, mad bum, mad bum. He must have given up like I don't know four, five home <laughs> runs that day, he, and, and it, it was sad because this is Madison Bumgarner was the kind of guy who literally carried the Giants on his back to a World Series. It was on his right arm that got the Giants a World Series title, and now you're seeing him in Arizona, barely struggling to throw 90 miles an hour and just getting blasted day after pitch after pitch. He's not. He wasn't fooling anyone. Of course, it was fun to watch the Padres fan because, hey, home runs are cool and Tatis is pimping them. But it's still kind of sad to see Madison Bumgarner, who was once this feared, like this game's version, this year's, ver- like 2010 through 2013, he was the Jake Peavy of the San Francisco Giants. He was that guy for San Francisco. And now to see him like this, deflate like that. It's like watching Felix Hernandez throw in his last season. It's like, man, you, you don't want to see a guy like Madison Bumgarner just get blown up every day. It, it, it hurts to watch, to be honest, because he was like a titan of the game. And I'll say one more favorite moment from the season. In my perspective, I think it honestly, I think it was beating the Cardinals in game three. Getting to see the Padres finally win a playoff series for the first time since literally 1998 and seeing all of San Diego literally go bananas as like celebrating the Padres actually winning San Diego, finally having hope for once in their lifetime, because for once maybe this team is not going to be leaving like some other team. It's not just a college team where they're going to stop the season short because of a pandemic. They were succeeding. And they beat the actual Cardinals, a team that was basically our demon for the past playoff series. That was one of my favorite moments I'll remember, not just this season, but for the rest of my life as a Padres fan.
2: No, yeah, those are good picks. The Mad Bomb story was one I did kind of forget about. And it's kind of sad because I'm pretty sure he was injured. But he was, yeah but to see it, the Padres just rattle off homer after homer after homer, that's always fun to watch. I'm pretty sure six home runs were given up in that game. And,
1: yeah, that's always fun to watch. I think, too, another thing about this season, it's a number that sticks out, and that's the number 22. That's how many times the Padres came back and won in here in 2020. You know, 20. 20- Two wins. Out of the 37, came when the other team had the leads, especially in the walk winning the game for the team. You look at Jake Croner with getting that walk single. You know, and profile getting that walk off double against the Rockies in the ninth inning. You know, you know, Myers' walk off through at home, you know, these different walk offs that helped uh, this team be so success- successful here in 2020. And you now it's a big reason why this team was a playoff team here in 2020. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because I think the part had like what 19 comeback victories this season, something like that, like
1: 22. Yeah, twenty-two. 22.
0: That, that, that does sound right because they, they did like to talk about it a lot. So, now, shifting gears just a little bit, breakout performances. We saw a lot of different Padres break out this year. Let's let's just talk about one person in particular. I want you guys take a couple seconds, think about who you have in mind as the best breakout performance in twenty twenty for wearing a Padres jersey give you a few more seconds to think about it and let's go all right so Andrew who do you in your opinion had the best breakout season in San Diego a lot of guys to pick from here
2: I'm gonna to have to go with Jake Cronenworth though you know this was it was a guy that we got as a throw-in for Tommy family traded um Hunter Renfro and Xavier Edwards for Tommy Pham and this guy named Jake Cronenworth. We knew that he could throw a little bit. He could throw 98. He threw in college and he threw a little bit in the minor leagues as an opener. And we knew that he can get his bat on the ball, but we, no one even knew if he would crack the opening day roster. And when he did, he was just a bench piece. But when Eric Hosmer had stomach issues, Jake Cronenworth was able to take over at first base and he, flashed the leather, you know, he made some incredible plays at first base. And this, this is a guy who normally just plays shortstop or second base. And, you know, just as a throw-in, to have a guy who's hovering around 300, leading the team in doubles, leading the team in triples, and um, becoming your everyday second baseman as a throw-in in a trade, that, that's incredible value for the Padres. And he was a very, very nice surprise this season.
0: Hmm. All right, Brevin, who's your choice now? The I think the obvious one was taken in Cronenworth. Who's your choice now, Brevin?
1: I wrote three guys down. I wrote Danielson Lament, Will Myers, and I wrote Zach Davies. And um, but I think from those three. To lead the team in wins, talked about a couple weeks ago that doesn't throw 97, 98 miles an hour to locate his pitches and be successful. That was the key and kind of the pitcher that was the most consistent in terms of starting pitching. Yeah, Davies was
0: honestly one of the brightest moments of this rotation. But if I'm going to have a breakout star, some of that I wanna I wanna lead this stable for the next six or seven years, if the injury gods bless us with health. Mine is gonna be Denelson Lamette, because Ted Leitner said at the beginning of this season he could see Denels Lamette throwing a no hitter with his stuff. And we saw him almost throw a no-hitter like three or four times in his starts. Yeah. And the closest he got was like what, seventh inning, maybe? That was absolutely yeah. insane. If we had Denelson-Lamette for the playoffs, if Clevenger and Lamette were were ready for the playoffs, Uh, I think it would have been a much closer battle against the Dodgers.
1: Because you wouldn't
0: have had to burn your bullpen so fast. Davies wouldn't have gotten kicked around so hard, hopefully. I mean, look, a 209 ERA and 12 starts, that is nothing to sneeze at. The guy was a legit Cy Young candidate. His slider was a dancing one. His fastball could pump up at 97 miles an hour. But at the end of it course... 98,
2: 99 at
0: sometimes even. He was hitting 100 at one point. Yeah. But of course, injuries happen and who knows what's going to be happening. However, however, we do have a little bit of an update on both Lamette and Clevenger coming from AJ Casavell, from yet another AJ in AJ Preller. As stated in here, I'm looking through this right now. All right, so on a report on MLB.com, right-handers Denelson Lamette and Mike Clemger have been evalu- evaluated thoroughly by doctors over the past week, with the consensus being that neither will require surgery. There we go. So, I hear no Tommy John. That's a huge relief, especially because Mets already had it. Mm-hmm. So no Tommy John for either of them, hopefully. And I think it was said that Clevenger might need arthroscopic surgery, but I'm here, according to this, he should be okay, hopefully. the doc. Apparently they've been talking to a lot of doctors. They've been talking about a lot of things that have, they've been going through multiple specialists, arm specialists, elbow specialists, say like, hey, we need these guys to be in tip-top shape. Can they be okay for this? And the consensus seemed to be that a lot of rest, a lot of relaxation. Lamette's going through a PRP therapy right now. If that works, great, we'll have him back. But let's just hope for the best. Let's really hope for the best. And if we don't, then we can go
2: out and sign Trevor Bauer to however much money he wants.
1: <laughs> do you think it's- Do we awesome? want to talk about this now? Or do you want to, <laughs> <laughs> you want to bring this up later? <laughs> Hold on, I'm just gonna say one thing. <laughs> One thing before we talk about Trevor
0: Bauer because it's that's huge. Did you guys see what happened to Tommy Pham? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Got Apparently the dude got, So if you have if you haven't heard, Tommy Pham was outside of a uh, <clears throat> gentleman's club, in quotation marks. Oh jeez. I didn't know that. Part. <laughs> oh no, he was he was at a, he was this there. This a lot. This explains a lot more. And in the apparently district. Yeah, there were these two guys arguing in front of his car. And you know, he, he Tommy Fan was like, dude, what is who are these guys? Why are they arguing in front of my car? Excuse me, gentlemen, can you please take your argument away from my car so I can go home? I guess um fisticuffs were exchanged between the two gentlemen, and Fan tried to break it up and he got stabbed in the lower back. And apparently the stab wound was 12 inches wide and five inches long. So that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a pretty damn big stab wound. It's doing okay for now, but man, I could have been... The exact words while
2: approaching that argument was, excuse me, fine gentlemen, do you mind stepping away from my automobile so that I may take off to my home? To slumber.
0: Can you please excuse yourselves from my chariot so I may ride to my humble abode at home?
1: No, Tommy
0: Pham wouldn't say that. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. So you brought up the big man himself, Andrew. You brought up Trevor Bauer. There's potential. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> there's no, no, no. There's there's potential. Trevor Bauer is, uh, I don't know. You guys aren't going to get this reference at all. I, I doubt you're going to get this reference, but Trevor Bauer is essentially the CM Punk of baseball right now. because he's just saying whatever he wants saying whatever's on his mind dropping it on twitter he's been mentioning the dodgers he's been mentioning the angels dan daniel guerrero how bets if you're if you're watching this listen to this right now god pray for the angels please pray for the halos (laughs) he's mentioned the nationals the yankees and the padres just don't forget
1: about the Astros.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Don't There's forget no about win. the
1: Astros. I don't think he's gonna be going to the Astros. But the he shoes. Town. But no, he brought up the Astros earlier with the shoes that he wore. The oh Kelly yeah,
0: ones? that's right. That's right. So, but the thing about Trevor Bauer is, he's gone on record to say that he will only sign, like, one year deals. One year, two year deals at most to maximize the amount of money he's doing. He's pulling a LeBron James, is what he's doing right now. Minim- minimize the amount of years he to play, maximize the money. Jeez.
1: at least LeBron has four rings to prove it.
0: <laughs> LeBron does have four rings to prove it. No, I think Trevor Bauer has to prove it is a lacerated thumb from a drone incident. And but hey, if he comes to the Padres, he'll have one pretty soon. That's the thing, though, because. I don't know if Trevor Bauer is an option. Don't get me wrong. I want him to sign with us. I would love to sign Trevor Bauer. That would be an amazing pickup. I love his attitude. I love what he brings to the game. He had a breakout season this year. Again, like I don't know what, 30 years old? He's been pitching lights out. He has this infectious attitude that is perfect for today's game of baseball. And I think he would mesh really well with Mike Clevenger, with Trevor Rosenthal, if we resign him, and with Tatis. And we know how he is with Machado. The guy's like buddy buddy with him. I was like, if, if you remember when Machado signed with He's San buddy Diego. Buddy buddy with Clevenger, too. They're teammates in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Clevenger, too. They're like, Clevenger actually posted something on Twitter telling him to come home, come to San Diego, come play with us.
1: Let's <laughs> do Machado. Can they, I, I think Machado has like two home runs off, Cleven, off uh, Bauer. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Why play against him when you play with him?
0: <laughs> dude, exactly. I remember Bauer actually, when Machado signed, he actually came to the contract signing, like, to the press release, <laughs> and he gave Machado he a do? hug saying, like, dude, thank you for signing the National League. Now I don't have to face you
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, now that uh, Bauer's in the National League. <laughs> now Bauer's in the National League saying, well, this happens.
0: No, it's his, uh, fault had bad blood in Cleveland and
1: they were like, you know what, we don't want you anymore. So he went to Cincinnati. To yeah, I decided to throw a ball over the center field fence out at Coffin Stadium.
2: That was insane.
1: <laughs> that was I nuts. Know. Still impressive though. That was like what? How many
0: how long did <laughs> you have to throw that thing to get it over the fence? Over three hundred fifty. Four hundred feet. Impressive throw and from like pretty much a standing position too because he only took like a little crow hop and just chucked it.
1: Could you imagine a pitching rotation with Bauer, Clevenger, Lamette, and Gore? Oh my god! Oh my god, dude! And we didn't even mention Davies or Patino or Paddock. Oh my god, that'd be
0: a that would be a fight. That would I mean, be that, a fight for number. You know five. what?
2: Dodger fans are saying right now. Dodger fans are saying, "Could you imagine a rotation with Bauer, Kershaw, Buer, May?" And
1: uh um, the
0: Padres got it any day. <laughs> oh god, no way. Please. If if Trevor Bauer is gonna be playing in Los Angeles, let it be for the Angels. Please have <laughs> yes. the Angels sign him.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: god, Tre- Mike Trout needs someone to get him to the postseason. He needs someone to pitch for God's sakes. I mean, they're wasting Dude, Trevor, they're that, wasting Mike Trout. That's why they got Dylan Bundy. Yeah, Hello. but think about it. They were trying to sign, they put all their eggs in the Garrett Cole basket and that didn't work out. So they got, so they basically had to patch up the rotation with flex seal and duct tape. In the, yeah, with, um, Julio Tehran. Oh God, that was an awful thing. That, that
2: don't was...
1: don't forget uh, Showtime, Shohei Otani. Ooh, yeah. Oh,
0: that's what just, a, great, that's a sad story. story.
1: <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. Uh, sure, the back and hit, but now he can't even pitch because arm injuries.
2: Shohei Otani, kind of a hot take. Probably one of the most overrated players in Major League Baseball. Ooh. Yeah.
0: That is That's a pretty a question
2: hot take. for another time.
1: That is a hot take. I don't know how you DJ know, will feel about that. You no, know, we bring up pitching right now. Thoughts about uh Chris Paddock's season. Sophomore
0: slump. Definitely a sophomore slump. Yeah, his um,
2: command was off. His velo was down. Um, He needs to get with Larry Rothschild this offseason to find out what he needs to fix. Maybe even go to Darren Bosley, who's um, a pitching coach in our minor league system. Go to him, maybe get some advice there. But if he doesn't figure out what's wrong, he could very easily find himself off of the rotation
0: it's weird because you know he's got the stuff like he we saw it in his rookie season he had the stuff but then he just kind of fell apart and it's what what i think the main enemy of chris paddock is he doesn't have a third pitch he doesn't have that like lockdown curveball that we saw he's got the curveball definitely has it he just can't contain it yeah, it's just not
2: established. It's always a fat pitch. Mm-hmm. Look at the very looping curveball that he can't control, so it goes right over the heart of the plate, and hitters
0: will feast on it. And looking at I'm, – I'm looking at some stats right now just to try and see what happened to Chris Paddock. His hard hit rating, according to StatCast or Baseball Savant. His hard, the percentage of hard hits he gave up went from 32.5 in 2019 to 47.4%. That is the bottom 5% of the league. Wow. Exit velocity from last year, 87.8 miles per hour. This year, 90.9%, 90.9 miles per hour for exit velocity. He was getting, it's weird because he was getting hit and he was getting hit hard. And another another thing to note is his fastball. His fastball, the spin rotation on his fastball was at 2,233 rotations. I think RPM is the official stat for this. In 2020, it dropped down to 2,170 RPM. That is a big drop
1: on the fastball how do you explain that maybe he's hurt I think it's all because of I think it's because of that third pitch maybe now, that that could be it that could be it yeah I like what you're saying right there I think that having that third pitch is so huge as much as yeah you can command with as much you want to make with your fastball and then have a change up, you know, having that third, yeah, which can throw fastball change up. But that was in the 90s, you know. Now we're looking at now where curveballs are so huge and throwing your off speed pitches. You know, how many pitches did you, Darvish, have in his repertoire? 11. Yeah. You know, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> All of the pitches, like everything, like, hey, you want a knuckleball? Sure, I got it. Here you go.
1: Yeah. You know, that's why a pitcher like Jarvis here in 2020 was effective because of having all those pitches. And he came up with another one, I'm pretty sure, to add to it this year.
0: Okay. Also, now I'm again, I'm going back to the statistics here on Paddock. It's almost like it's weird seeing what happened because he used his four seam fastball. He threw 560 four seam fastballs this year. Batters hit 308 off the fastball and slugged God. 658 off of that fastball alone. Oh. His changeup, which he used for 200, which he threw 299 times batters hit 187 off of it and only slugged 275. And the weird thing is too, in last year in his rookie season, 2019, he threw his fastball 1,392 times for, his, for the fastball use. Batters only hit 204 off his fastball and slugged 391. So it's like, what happened here? Was he tipping his pitches? because that was a concern earlier this the season was that maybe Paddock is tipping his pitches.
1: Yeah, I think too, it's also dislocating that fastball, you know, not with your number one. And, you know, whether you're a high school pitcher, whether you're in college, you know, whether you're the in the minors, whether you're in the MLB, throwing your fastball for first pitch strike can't tell you how much coaches look at that and two I'm just I'm just trying to find out like
0: what happened with Chris Paddock because looking at going taking a deeper dive into baseball saving here it's basically like if you don't know what baseball saving is it's basically tracks a lot of like of like hitters so like how like you how someone hits the ball or like how what kind of contact rates they have trying looking in trying to see what this is another problem was batters just weren't chasing anymore 2019 he had a chase rate of 33.2 percent 2020 chase percentage of 25.4 percent first pitch strikes i mean he only had like 70 first pitch strike 2019 70 and 71% of at bats he do a first pitch strike 2020 66% chase contact 63.9% in 2019 contact out of the zone in 2020 57.1%. There was a lot of drops in this year and he even had less swing he even had less swings. So it's almost like paddock is a bit of an enigma at this point. Like, what
1: is happening? Yeah, that's, I think one of the things that he'll look in the offseason. I think it's maybe, maybe it's those large pizza that he's eats every, every single night yeah. he pitches. Maybe. Pepperoni and bacon. Yeah.
0: Might be time to switch up to a medium size, Chris, if you're watching this, which I know you
1: are. Just go to a totally different restaurant. Yeah, try
0: Pizza Hut. Try Domino's. <laughs> I've always found that Domino's a really good pizza, to be honest.
1: I I probably wasn't thinking like a fast food type of pizza chain. I was probably thinking more (laughs) maybe like a local fast food chain or like a local-based Italian chain here in San Diego, maybe. Go
2: to Bronx. Not a sponsor. That place is amazing.
1: As I write that down on
0: my list to know where to go to get a pizza soon. In Hillcrest. Hillcrest, Okay. Or Gaetano's. Gaetano's is good, too. Oh, when you go to Bronx,
2: oh, again, not a sponsor. We don't get sponsorships for this show. Not yet, but
0: yeah. you have to pay with cash. No cards. Ooh, interesting. That means it's and, good. Uh, not sponsor, but what's the price? Uh,
2: $3 a slice. I think $20 for a pie.
0: Not, that's not bad. It's, not it's a pretty
2: bad. big pie, too. Yeah, New York style. So.
0: Not that's actually a pretty good deal to be honest. (sighs) All right, so enough about pizza and enough about Mr. Paddock. Now, let's talk about someone, let's talk about the new guys, the new players we saw, and the players we had to give up. So, in 2020, who, which player were you happy to see acquired? But which player did you not want to see get traded? So who are you happy we got, but who are you not happy that we traded is the question I'm asking. Mm.
2: It's an interesting question. It's a really interesting question. I can start if you want. Yeah, I have to think about this
0: one. All right. I know the obvious one is Mike Clevenger. I disagree, but
1: I don't have Mike Clevenger.
0: I think one of my favorite acquisitions, I think it was, it's Trevor Rosenthal. It has to be Trevor Rosenthal. I like that one. That's, that's a good pick. Because Kirby went down. Kirby Yates went down with an injury. The Padres didn't really have a closer. Emilio Pagan came in, and then he got hurt too. And then Drew Pomeranz had to basically carry the load by himself. Getting Trevor Rosenthal and having him adjust to San Diego – was big we needed trevor rosenthal in that bullpen we needed him to lock down the closer position and hopefully he resigns with san diego it seems like indications are saying that he's leaning towards a potential resigning but we of course we got to get him the money and we got to get him all that so that's going to be tough but now for someone i didn't want to get traded Cause there's a lot of people we traded so it's like god who do you pick it's like it's like shuffling through a roll of decks of players who got traded this season I'm gonna have two guys who I didn't want to see get traded my first one is Cal Quantrill mm-hmm. I was a little upset they traded Cal Quantrill I know why they did it I understand why they had to do it but um he was just beginning to show his promise as a long reliever in the bullpen and as like an opening guy and I think we really could have used Cal Quantrill in the playoffs. If he was in the playoffs, he it would have been just good to have Cal Quantrill. Another guy that I'm upset they traded is Andres Munoz. Oh, I did not want to see Andres Munoz get traded. He was on f- – if he didn't get hurt, he would have been in the, in the bullpen. He would have been throwing 100 miles an hour. But then Tommy John struck down and then he got traded so it's like man what you don't know what you're going to get with andres munoz now it's time will tell what happens i want him to succeed i wish him all the best but now he's in seattle's hands now so those are my guys of course one guy i'm happy we did get rid of his austin hedges and i know people have opinions on him finley what about what, what? say you good sir
2: um this might come as a little bit of a surprise to you guys, but I think my favorite acquisition from this um obviously there's some good ones with uh you know Jake Cronenworth was earlier on same with um Trent Grisham Zach Davies was a really good one but I'm gonna go with Austin Adams out of the bullpen from Seattle um he he he's pretty nasty he pitches out of out of the windup as a as a reliever and he has A really good – he's kind of like Denelson Lamette, but out of the bullpen, where he's got a really nasty sweeping slider and really good heat on his fastball. And he's coming back off of an injury, so we don't even know what he's like at complete full strength. But what we saw from him in the little time we had him, I'm really excited to have him in our bullpen. And a couple guys that I miss. I miss uh, Ty France. Really good – uh, obviously, San Diego State Aztec. I call them my guy Ty Aztec for life. Whenever he got in, did something good, I would. But he was surging, and he ended up having a really nice season in San Diego and uh, Seattle. <clears throat> I think he batted batted around um three hundred all season. And um, yeah, I I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, but at the same time, I think. I have some good points here. I miss Austin Hedges a little bit because his defense look the dude can't hit very well. I understand that he can hardly hit at all. he hit like 147 on the season, but his defense is elite and that's something that we didn't get a ton of in these playoffs was good elite defense. I think if Austin Hedges was able to stick around and I'm not saying for Austin Noah. I think getting Austin Noah was valuable. He could hit a little bit. He can feel pretty well. But I think a comparison for Austin Hedges would be Jason Castro. And I think if I had to choose one of the two, I would pick Hedges, who's younger, better defense, has pop in the bat when he can get the bat on the ball, and had a relationship with like the entire pitching staff. So I know that's a controversial one to
0: say goodbye to, but
2: those are my picks.
0: I will say this about Hedges though. Apparently there was a lot of smack talk when he left. Apparently, a lot of people were in the organization were happy to see Austin Hedges get traded. Because I guess he had a bit of an ego problem. And he and people said that he might be the reason why Francisco Mejia didn't develop the way he should have, because he wasn't exactly helping him out. Hmm. Also right. looking I mean, at his um looking at Austin Hedges on the offense, he had one hit. For the for the Indians in twelve at bats, I think was it, checking my stats correctly. Yes, he had one hit, a single, and five strikeouts. He's also the guy who struck out to end the season in the postseason for Cleveland. So, yeah, that, that's uh, that was how Austin Hedges did. But and going back to Ty France, just want to say that you are correct in saying that he batted like three hundred. He ended his season at three hundred. Oh, yeah. all right. Specifically, 305 with an 836 on base OPS. So, oh man, if only we did. We should have traded Greg Garcia.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, he was the, the difference there was that Greg Garcia was a lefty. I think we were trying to hold on to a, a lefty for some reason, but I agree with that.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: All right, Brevin, your thoughts. Well, you took my two. Oh, the big guys. Wow. I didn't think Austin Adams was going to be a popular choice. I had... Well, um, in terms of who I did not like being traded, was Munoz. Mm-hmm.
0: So
1: light up the guy on a young piece, that's was the one that I thought was probably the one they shouldn't have traded. Probably him and probably another one in Taylor Chamel, the my early prospect that the Potters have it, that the Potters had at number six before it was traded. But I think in terms I'm happy with the Potters got, I think it solidifies the bench. And I'm going to have to go with Mitch Moreland on this one. And I think just because of the the experience that he has that we've talked about before, you know, win a World Series with the Red Sox in 2000, 18, that playoff experience that he has, and I think it solidifies that first base step. Yeah.
0: And Moreland even had an RBI double in the postseason didn't? Uh, off of uh, uh, the Dodgers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, in my opinion, Mitch Moreland, when we signed him, I was expecting him to, to continue his torrid pace that he had in Boston. He was batting over 300. He had nine home runs, and just... Watching him was extremely, extremely disappointing in the regular season, but like you guys were saying, he proved his worth in the playoffs with some really timely hits. So yeah, maybe he'll – I hope that he's able to, to be a serviceable piece off the bench, and I think that playoff experience, like Brevin
0: was saying, is going to help this Padres team out a lot he does have i will say this right now mitch morland does have a club option for 2021 and i think it's only at three million so it's actually really cheap let's sign it yeah because now looking at his uh numbers in the postseason he actually went he actually hit 500 in the postseason yeah, yeah he was a uh, four for eight he had three singles a double and an rbi and he had a couple runs I mean, you can't ask for much else.
2: Now, he had limited opportunities too, because he had Eric Cosmer in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he was, so he mostly batted against right-handed hitters. So it wasn't like he was in the lineup every single, for he wasn't on the field every single inning. They selected whenever he got the hit. And it sounds like uh. they were correct. in when uh, most of the time when they wanted him to hit, got a hit so it's a really valuable guy to have off the bench
0: he'll, I, I assume he'll be back because again he does have a club club option so I'm assuming he's going to come back so we have a little bit of time left before the end of the segment so I want to run this by you real quick here's a list of all the free agents San Diego has according to Spotrack, Garrett Richards Kirby Yates Jason Castro Jerickson Profar, Mitch Moreland with the club option, Trevor Rosenthal, Yonder Alonso, and Abraham Almonte. Almonte has already been designated for assignment, and he's already been released. So nine free agents. Which one is the most important? Who who are you going to be re-signing right now?
1: Oh. Brevin, you want to go first? I think it's between Rosenthal and Yates because – is you want to solidify that back end of your bullpen? You know we've seen how important bullpens are in today's game. You know mm-hmm. we brought up we brought up Madison Bumgarner earlier. You look at what he did in that 2014 World Series Game Seven to throw what five innings, four innings in that Game Seven front of that the guy. pen. You know you look at you know how crucial trades were in past Julys. Uh, You look at the Chapman. You look at, you know, Andrew Miller, you know, and I think bullpens have been so crucial. And to see what the Padres have done in their franchise with bullpens, you know, you look at Trevor Hoffman, Heath Bell, you know, I can go on with that list. But I think bullpens are the key um, in terms of free agents. Mm -hmm. I was going to – I really liked
2: what you said Brevin how it was between Rosenthal and Yates because I wanted to pick one or the other but you know it's 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 such a fine line to pick one over the other that either way no matter which one you choose I think the Padres have themselves a good closer at the end of the day and that that was going to be my pick my second pick was going to be Jerks and Profar because of how good of a season he ended up having. Um, The Padres got a lot of utility guys, but with the type of year that Profar had, um, it'll be intriguing to see what the Padres do with him.
0: Oh yeah, you talk about jerks and Profar. I mean, last year with Oakland, he batted 218, posted a .711 OPS. San Diego, he comes in and bats 278, 343 on-base percentage, and his OPS now at .771. It's a big jump. Yeah, it's only in like 56 games. He only played that many games, but still, very good. And he showed a lot of versatility. Played practically everywhere. He was a little bit of designated hitter, a little bit of outfield, some spelled Cronenworth at second base. You need a guy. You need that versatility on your on your bench. Also, the fact that I do think that yeah. Jerkson Pro Far is also a switch hitter. So, those are switch hitters on your bench is incredibly valuable. That is a literal Swiss Army knife in, on your bench right there for you. I, I'm taking Jerkson Pro Far. I'm re signing him. I can't speak for AJ Preller, but if I was AJ Preller, I'd cut Castro loose. You don't need Jason Castro. No. He can be. He can be sent off to the other world. Yonder Alonso, eh, why not? Give a minor league deal. Keep Manny Machado happy. He gets his brother-in-law to hang out with him in San Diego. And also, it's a fun little throwback to the days of old. Mitch Moreland, if the designated hitter is still a thing next season, we give get that club option to him. Now, the th- now, Profar, I say yes, resign sign Profar. Now, between Rosenthal and Yates, I would like to re-sign both. I really would, but it's I don't see it happening. If we're gonna take someone, I'm going to take Trevor Rosenthal. There, here's the reason why, because Kirby Yates is 34 years old and coming off of pretty major surgery. Rosenthal is 31 years old. Three years younger. And he can still pump it at 100 miles per hour. He also just came off a major surgery. Rosenthal? Yeah, didn't he have Tommy John? He had Tommy John a couple years ago. Yeah, a couple years ago. So he should be good. Of course, we said the same thing about Denzel. He's only
1: 31.
0: Yeah, Rosenthal's (laughs) only 31. Now that's old for the
1: Padres.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Big question here is Garrett Richards. I say no. I don't think they should resign. I think it
1: depends on your pitching.
0: Yeah, depends on your pitching. I I agree. I can see arguments for keeping them and getting rid of them.
1: It depends on your pitching and the health of both Clevenger Mm -hmm. and Lament.
0: And also, here's a little bit of a take right now. According to A.J. Cassevelle, he when Preller was talking to both Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore, he told them to come into spring training to make the team. That's their mentality, is to make the team, out of spring training next year for
1: 2021.
0: Yeah. So if, you have, if you have a rotation, let's say a rotation of, of Clevenger, Lament, Davies, Paddock, and Gore. Those are your five guys right there. Not the burger. I know you're probably thinking about food, but not the burgers. These are your five guys in rotation. I think that's a pretty good rotation even without Garrett Richards. And we didn't even use
2: Richards in our rotation in the playoffs. We had him in the bullpen. So in my eyes, he, he, he wasn't going to be in the rotation even if we needed him. He was going to be in the bullpen. He was going to be a long relief. Like um, Cal Quantrill was, like you said, Cal Con- Quantrill might have been. Because mm. Cal Quantrill started as a starter, and then they moved him to the bullpen to be that mm. long relief guy. I think that's that was what they were planning to do with Richards. But if they can't get him on a good deal, then I, I don't see him fitting anywhere. Definitely
0: not the Rich. Brevin, your thoughts on Garrett Richards real quick as we come
1: to a close? I think it, you know, like I said, it depends on the health and, you know, how A.J. Prowler and Jay Tingler want to move forward with a player like Garrett Richards. Okay.
0: All right. I like that. But, however, we are coming across to the end of our segment. It is at 58 minutes and 37 seconds. 37 seconds so this is the end of our segment here on picked off i'm your host jason freund i am joined by i'm brevin honda i'm andrew finley thank you very much everyone for listening to today's podcast and we hope to see you we hope that you tune in next time